Dr. Clef. We've already taken a look at one of the more well-known doctors working for the SCP Foundation, Dr. Bright. But an organization as large and as strange as the Foundation is bound to have more than one unusual individual working for it. Dr. Alto Clef is in many ways even more unusual than Dr. Bright, but overall doesn't have quite the same infamous reputation. Various stories and tales about Dr. Clef go back a good number of years, and it can be difficult to paint a cohesive picture of the character. I'll attempt to provide a small summary of some of Dr. Clef's more notable interactions and potential bits of his history, but keep in mind there are a great number of stories being left out of this summary. To begin with, Dr. Clef's backstory is among the most mysterious things in the SCP universe, which is saying quite a bit, mostly due to the fact that Clef has a reputation for being a notorious liar. The most common element of his backstory, though, is that prior to becoming a doctor working for the SCP Foundation, he actually worked for the Global Occult Coalition as a field agent. According to his GOC personnel file, he was recruited to the GOC in 1981 as Agent Ukulele, and had his first confirmed kill a year later, taking down something called the Hillsborough Beast, despite severe losses to his team, earning him the Silver Aegis Commendation. In 1986, though, he was tasked with containing something referred to as Xenobiological Hemorrhagic Prion, some sort of alien disease, which he failed to do, resulting in an unknown amount of deaths. Afterwards, he went on a sabbatical from work until 1989, when he was promoted to a special operative. In the 90s, he had a confirmed kill on something called the Goddess, but was unable to confirm a kill on a related entity called the Daughter. We'll get back to that in a minute. In the 2000s, he confirmed his 99th kill of a threat entity and asked to retire from active duty, which was granted. An unknown amount of time passed, during which apparently he disappeared from the GOC, but he eventually resurfaced, now working for the SCP Foundation as Dr. Alto Clef. His personnel file also mentions his aptitude with various firearms, demolitions, and vehicle handling. His alterations and talents include a standard optics array and standard longevity treatments, as well as a resistance to standard photography techniques. Clef's face apparently can't be photographed in any way, appearing on camera as some sort of animal head instead. The reason for this, among many other things, is a mystery. Ultimately, what this personnel file tells us, though, is that Dr. Clef was a highly talented and decorated field agent working for the GOC before suddenly retiring and joining the SCP Foundation instead. Let's go back to that confirmed goddess kill from the 90s, referred to as the Cornwall Incident. Clef was dispatched as the lead of a strike team to Cornwall, England, to take down a nature goddess and her followers. The goddess was intent on completing some sort of magical ritual that would revert humanity back to a pre-industrial state. The strike team completed the mission successfully, with Clef himself pulling the trigger on the goddess, but the mission log notes that there was no confirmation on the death of the daughter of the goddess. What actually happened was that Clef had the chance to kill the daughter but chose not to, 
instead taking her to a local convent, with ties to the GOC. The intent was for her to grow up unaware of her nature, and hopefully live a normal life. But years later, she inadvertently caused the death of a bystander. The GOC swooped in and marked her for termination, as is their nature. But Clef intervened. Although retired from active duty, he still had connections and managed to take the girl away, bringing her to the one organization with the capability to protect her, the SCP Foundation. Unaware to most, however, is that Clef met that nature goddess a number of years ago, when he was much younger. He had been lost in the woods, and met a girl with antlers in her hair and hooves for feet. The daughter, as you've guessed, is his. He hoped to give her a normal life and keep her existence somewhat a secret in the convent, but it wasn't to be. He then brought her to the Foundation, and shortly after left the GOC and joined the Foundation to be closer to her. Within the SCP Foundation, the daughter is listed as SCP-166, the teenage succubus. 166's primary anomalous property activates when viewed by any human male, which causes 100% of them to attempt immediate sexual contact. This can often lead to an obsession after being removed from 166's presence, which generally requires death to cease. The nuns at the convent in Cornwall say that the girl was brought to them by a person of indistinguishable features, who claimed that she was the offspring of an elder creature of great power. The convent life led 166 to become highly religious, and she has requested religious books, rosaries, access to a Catholic priest, and so on. Her anomalous property brings her even more grief with her religious principles in mind. There are also some clues to her connection to a nature goddess in her description, which states that wearing any clothing quickly leads to sores breaking out, a vulnerability to any airborne particulate matter such as cigarette smoke, and she requires no typical sustenance. The accident that led to her leaving the convent occurred when a young man sneaked into the convent to visit another novice, and accidentally saw 166. He became violently obsessed, eventually killing a nun and injuring three others before being killed. This is where there is a slight discrepancy. The author in a separate post says that the GOC intended to kill 166 at this point, and Clef saved her by bringing her to the Foundation. The 166 article, however, claims that a Foundation operative heard of the incident realized 166's property, and brought in a female agent who negotiated her transfer. It's impossible to say what the truth is, but in my opinion, the former seems far more likely due to Clef's connection with the girl. The 166 article ends with a letter that was found in the girl's containment suite. The writer of the letter says that he first met 166's mother when she was a girl, and she had hooves for feet and starlight in her eyes. She wanted to take humanity back to Eden, a state of being, instead of a place. He doesn't regret killing her, but he does regret that the first time he met 166 was when he was putting a bullet into her mother's head. He hopes that she forgives him. He's sorry that she couldn't stay with the kind and loving people of the convent, but he promises to make her stay here pleasant and to keep her safe. He wishes her a happy 16th birthday. 
This letter then links us to another article, titled A Suicide Note, also written by Dr. Clef, which brings us to another major topic of discussion about Clef. The note begins with Clef stating his intention to kill himself, although he's unsure if he can even die. He ponders if he is actually Satan, and wonders if his punishment for defying God is never being able to interact with anomalies. We learn that rather than being a reality bender, Clef is a reality anchor, or claims to be. He can't see ghosts, or things that qualify as deities, demons, or anything else from outside of our universe, and they can't see him either. He can't be affected by reality benders, although he can touch them. He can't operate any anomalous machinery, and he can't walk into any alternate universe, despite attempts being made at all of these things. He says he's only been able to interact with three anomalies in his life, all of them female. The first was the love of his life, and he was told to kill her by the GOC. He refused and ran from the GOC and pledged his services to the Foundation if they provided amnesty for her. He's not referring to 166 here, so this somewhat contradicts what we've previously heard. He interjects to talk about the first reality bender he killed, a 12-year-old girl that brought her doll to life because she was lonely and needed a friend. He had to run her over with a car. The second anomaly he interacted with was his daughter, 166, known to him as Epon. He's of course immune to her effect, but he remarks that he knew she was his daughter the instant he saw her, as she has her mother's eyes. She's being held against her will for the simple reason that she was born, and she doesn't deserve it. The third anomaly he's interacted with is SCP-239, who he refers to as Sigaros. Let's pivot then before we come back to that suicide note and discuss SCP-239, as the interaction between her and Clef is rather notable. SCP-239 is a young girl with shimmering eyes, who is capable of doing anything she expresses a will to do. If that sounds rather powerful, that's because it is. She is, for all intents and purposes, a reality bender of the highest magnitude, although so far she only affects things that she can see. In fact, her power seems to only be limited by her youth and innocence. The Foundation told 239 that she was a witch, only capable of using her abilities by casting from a pre-approved list of spells created by the Foundation. 239's self-preservation instincts still make her incredibly dangerous, however, and indeed she first came to the Foundation's attention three hours after she was born when the hospital was destroyed by an unexplained explosion. She was found as the only survivor amidst the rubble. Despite the witch plan preventing escape attempts and curtailing her from developing her abilities on her own, Clef still submits a proposal for 239's termination. He proposes that, since 239's skin is typically impenetrable due to her abilities, a piercing element be constructed with SCP-148. 148 is an anomalous metallic substance normally capable of hindering mind-affecting properties of nearby organisms, but also has been shown to be capable of penetrating 239's skin. 
Clef mentions that one of the dangers of this procedure is that 239 will wake up and perceive the operative as a friend, changing reality to match. Since he himself is immune to her effects, he volunteers for the operation. This leads us to the log for Incident 239B, detailing Clef's attempt. This is a rather lengthy log, so I'll be keeping just the important bits. We learn that Clef had sent his termination proposal over unsecured channels, and it had reached several staff members at the site where 239 is held. These staff members, possibly subtly altered by 239 to be her friends, took action to prevent Clef from carrying out his proposal. This forces Clef to act as quickly as possible before someone alerts 239 of his plan, which could have devastating and unforeseen consequences. Clef is upset at the other members of the Foundation for not neutralizing the girl sooner, blaming their leniency on the fact that she's a young girl. Clef arrives at the site, neutralizing security with tranquilizers, and makes his way towards 239. Unfortunately, by his account, 239 seems to already be warping the local reality of the site. Clef's main opposition at the site is a fellow doctor, Dr. Kondraki, will probably get his own video at some point. Clef deals with a number of other SCPs in the process, and other doctors, Dr. Gears, Dr. Bright, and Dr. Crow, get involved as well. Gears fetches 239, and tells her that Dr. Clef has been overtaken by a mass of formless evil known as the Great Darkness. He tells her that he is an over-council wizard, and Kondraki is a swordsman, and the three of them must subdue Clef and drive the evil from him. He also grabs a Chinese dictionary, claiming that it's an emergency spellbook, which can only be used by two wizards at the same time, and only when the Great Darkness is around. He tells her this story in order to maintain containment on her abilities, and she, of course, believes it. 239 proceeds to encounter Clef and casts Magic Missile under instruction by Gears, which causes great pain to Clef. It also inadvertently causes a mass of black light to issue forth from Clef's body, taking the shape of a massive dragon. This would seem to be an unintended side effect of 239's imagination. The dragon causes a large amount of damage to the site before being killed by Dr. Crow, using another SCP in the form of a Sword of Light. 239, meanwhile, is sedated by Dr. Gears, and afterwards she is placed into a medically-induced coma indefinitely. A post-incident interview between Kondraki and Clef has Clef implying that he is Satan, and that 239 is an incarnation of God, before breaking out into laughter. It's unclear, of course, exactly what Clef is telling the truth about, as he seems to lie about most things. The entire incident is, of course, rather ridiculous, as was often the case at that time of SCP writing. Which brings us back to the suicide note, where Clef discusses the incident. He says that 239 terrified him because he could feel her in his mind, and if she could get into his head, she could do anything. He admits that he didn't need some fancy piercing implement to kill her, as even a sharp stick would work in his hands. 
He thinks the entire incident occurred as it did because 239 was just toying with them. It had made everyone act like idiots just for a laugh, and it had been doing it for years. He then says that she's dead now, after he injected her with a cocktail of both mundane and anomalous substances, causing her to literally melt. He claims that people have started to act normally again, released from her influence, but he knows that the Foundation is going to find out sooner or later that he murdered her. That's why he's going to commit suicide first, and he ends the note by saying that, assuming he can go to hell, he'll see everyone there someday. This note was found in Clef's office following the sounds of gunshots. Despite Clef's blood and some brain matter being found in the office, his body has not been recovered, and his status is unknown. The nature of canon in the SCP universe is already incredibly loose, and when you combine that with Clef's infamous reputation for lying about practically every aspect of himself, it's quite difficult to discern any sort of truth. Is Clef actually Satan? I'll leave it up to you, but according to the author, the answer is... maybe. He says that Clef doesn't have red horns or reign over hell, but he does rebel against God, and he did cast humanity out of Eden. This brings up the possibility of Clef being Adam rather than Satan, but it seems we won't get any clear answers. Clef's immunity or nullification of most anomalies is often mentioned when discussing the character, and there are a number of examples. One of the most notable, perhaps, is when Clef was locked in the same containment cell as SCP-682, the hard-to-destroy reptile. Clef and 682 continually stared at each other as Clef placed some explosives on the containment door, causing a containment breach. Despite the opportunity to escape, 682 continued to stare at Clef until he had engaged the secondary emergency doors, recontaining 682. The reason for this odd interaction between the two is left unexplained, but it's extremely outside of 682's typical nature. Clef had also given a seminar to Foundation agents about dealing with reality benders. Ultimately, he tells the agents to forget about containing or reasoning with them, and to just kill them before they even know you're there. Clef, of course, has an unfair advantage compared to the rest of the agents, however. Dr. Clef is certainly an interesting character, although there are tales which paint him as more over-the-top and less serious than other tales, much like Dr. Bright. Ultimately, it's up to reader interpretation, much like most things in the SCP universe. Self-insert characters walk a fine line between being interesting and being gratuitous. As this is only a short summary of a large number of tales related to the character, it's probably not fair to judge simply based on this video. But either way, Dr. Alto Clef has cemented his place in SCP history.